Europe. They are, they've been requesting a new sermon, so this is for them. Well, thank you for your welcome here at uh, Grace Baptist Church. Um, it's good to be here. We've been looking forward to this, uh, Karen and I, and it's a pleasure, it's an honor, it's a privilege to be with you, and I hope that Karen and I can magnify the Lord here and love and serve you, uh, the body of Christ. I want to thank uh, Joe, um, although my water's still too hot. Excellent plumber. I'm a crack assistant. Um, but anyway, thanks to Joe for getting a couple of serious plumbing issues in our home resolved. And Philip and Nancy have helped get our house cleaned up. We're just about, well, we are moved in, so a little more work to do, a little more work to do. So <clears throat> you heard the text read. I won't reread it right now. I'll read it in just a moment. The Prayer of Jabez. How many of you read the book, The Prayer of Jabez? Anybody? Only one person. Two persons. Well, it is 20 years old, so it doesn't shock me that you haven't read it. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that book and what the text actually says in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. First, I just wanted to say one of the things that I used to really look forward to when we would come home uh, to Little Rock um, is someone would loan me a car, a good brother would loan me a car, and they would always have the station on K-Love. Um, and I miss that in Europe. In the early years, you know, before you had music on demand with your phone, um, if you're driving around, your only hope was, was radio. And of course, in Europe, there were, there were no Christian stations in Europe. And I would love to, you know, listen to the Christian music and drive. And it was one of my favorite things to do when we came home in those early years. And you, you, you remember, or you probably know, that Caleb's tagline is positive and encouraging. They're positive and encouraging. Obviously, this is a good thing. And people will call in and give their testimony, their positive and encouraging testimony, which obviously is a good thing. But I noticed a trend that bothered me a little bit. This was in, this was in the early years. You know, we went to, to, to Milan in 04, 04 to probably, I don't know, maybe 12, 13, 14, 15. But I would hear... Uh, the same tone or the same tenor in these call-ins, um, mostly having to do with temporal health, wealth, career, and relationship. It seemed to be mostly about that. And I often thought if all I knew about Christianity was from the personal testimonies of Caleb, I would think that God was my Santa Claus. God was my rabbit's foot. He was my genie in a bottle. If I just pray to God, He'll fix everything, just like I want. And I'm not being overly critical here, but I'm saying that was, that was the message I kept hearing. Maybe they have tempered that a little bit. Again, I'm talking about some years ago. If all I knew about Christianity was what I heard on K-Love, um, I would think that God's primary interest was in blessing me temporally. I would come away thinking this, that God's principal thought pattern while he sits on his throne was how can I bless Jim Albright? That was part of the process 
I heard, I always wanted to hear the guy call in with cancer and say, I'm dying. It's terminal. God could obviously still heal me, but I believe He's preparing me to go home. I wanted to hear that guy call in and say, you know what? I don't care if He heals me or not. I love Him. He's awesome. He's my God. I'm on my way home. I don't care what He does. I love Him. And I trust Him. And we know what the Bible says. God gives life and He takes it. This is His business. Life and death is not our business. It's the business of God. I always wanted to hear the guy call in and say, I am desperately poor and there seems to be no hope on the horizon. But God has met me where I need Him. He is really all I need and He has met me there. I always wanted to hear the woman call in and say, well, I fell in love with Jesus and my husband didn't like all the changes and he's abandoned me. He left me. But God fills my heart with joy and love and companionship. He is my bridegroom. Amen? I want to hear that lady call in. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> I want to hear God magnified, right? I want to hear God magnified in the hard things of life. I wanted to hear that. In the old days, I never heard that. Now, maybe it's changed. I don't know. I'm not here to critique what Caleb may be doing now. I always wanted someone to call in with negative and discouraging news, but utterly in love with Christ. Right? Utterly in love with Him. Um, I mean, real Christianity, right? It's so much more beautiful and powerful than the marketed kind. You know, like, where's my next blessing kind of Christianity? I really detest this. Where's my next blessing, God, kind of Christianity? And certainly God blesses. Praise the Lord. You know, every breath, every brainwave is a blessing from God. He's a giver. It's what He does. It's why He calls us to give. He's a giver. It's all He does is give. It's one reason He's called us to radical stewardship. But by comparison, temporal gifts, temporal blessings are inconsequential when contrasted with what Jesus Christ has purchased for us. They are inconsequential. We have no concept of the greatness of the inheritance we have in God. I think that's why many of us pray in such a self-serving way. Right? Um, we have no concept of what God has purchased for us. Yeah, I'd love to hear the guy call in and say, I was a, you know, I was a baptized Baptist, but I was a God-hater. I loved my religion. I trusted in my profession of faith. I trusted in my baptism. I didn't really know God or love God, but then He sovereignly saved me. And now I love Him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to hear that guy call in. <laughs> I did. I really wanted to hear him call in. So what, what does Caleb testimonials have to do with the prayer of Jabez? I think a whole lot. Because I think if you've read the book, and obviously only one or two of you have, it's a marketed kind of Christianity. And I don't have any doubt some of these people have good intent. But it's marketed. There's a spin on it. 
So it's all about you. Or it's mostly about you, right? It's a little bit about God, but mostly it's about you, and it's mostly about me. I think this is very harmful. I think it's extremely harmful in the church. I think this out-of-balance kind of talk promotes a superficial view of Jesus, a superficial view of the cross, a superficial view of what this life is supposed to be, and a superficial view of what the next life is supposed to be. I think it's dangerous. I think it's harmful. I think it's a stench in the nostrils of God. The book, The Prayer of Jabez, guess how many copies he sold? David Wilkerson was the author. He's a highly credentialed uh, teacher. He sold 10 million copies. Now, how does a book on prayer sell 10 million copies? Well, you know how. It's how to get everything you want from God. Now, let me, let me qualify this. He makes some really good points, some good and valid points, but ultimately the whole ambiance of the book, the whole tenor and tone and vibe of the book is this is how you get all the blessing you want from God. It's a technique, and it's not what prayer ought to be, which is a relationship. This is what he says in the preface of the book. In the prayer of Jabez, 1 Chronicles 4.10, which you heard Joe read earlier, contains the key to a life of extraordinary favor with God. You want extraordinary favor with God? Pray this. This is your key. Pray this. Do you want extraordinary favor with God? I mean, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to maximally exploit that? The key to a life of extraordinary favor with God. So I want to say again, in this book there's some really good stuff and there's some really, really awful stuff. So you always have to be discerning, right? You always have to be discerning. You have to read these guys and even listen to a preacher. You have to understand, can he take what he's saying back to Scripture? So we have to be discerning about these things. On balance, the book um, gives a very simplistic, inadequate, trivial view of prayer. Give me, give me, give me, God. And here's the technique. Here's the formula. Here's how you get whatever you want from God. According to Bruce Wilkerson, if you follow his formula, you'll definitely be calling into Caleb a lot. Because you'll have a lot of positive and encouraging news, according to him. You'll be tapping into the extraordinary temporal favor of God. Uh, this is a couple of comments from the book. Wilkerson says, The prayer of Jabez will release God's miracles in your life. Where is that in the Bible? Where does the Bible ever say anything like that? He says, access, the prayer of Jabez will help you access, this one I hate, I really hate. <laughs> it will help you access the unclaimed blessings God wants to give you right now. But they're unclaimed because you're not praying the right prayer. You're doing it wrong. I hate this. There's an illustration in the book where the woman dies, she goes to heaven. And uh, 
I, she's met by an angel, I guess, or something, and they, they're walking through a huge warehouse, and the woman says, what is, the, all, what is all of this? And the, the angel says, these are all the blessings you never asked for. Now, Wilkerson denies that he's talking up, name it, and claim it. He denies it. He denies, this is not, he denies that this is a formula to get everything you want. But the whole book is peppered with these kinds of things, which can lead you only to one conclusion, which is he's trying to sell his prayer technique. It's like an incantation. This is how you manipulate God, with this incantation. You know, I, I remember when I was reading it, 20-something years ago, I remember I was reading, I thought, you know, if this prayer, if this prayer in 1 Chronicles 4, 10 was so important, I just think Jesus might have brought it up. I think he might have talked about it. I think the Apostle Paul might have brought it up. Or maybe John or Peter, somebody. If this is the key... Can I say this to you? Um, if your prayer is about your prayer, you don't know how to pray. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're prayer-centric and you're not God-centric, you haven't learned what prayer is about. Prayer is about God. It's not about prayer. It's about God. It's about being in fellowship with God. That's what it's about. It's not about getting stuff. He tells us to ask, and yes, we should come and ask, seek, knock. We'll talk about that in a minute. Of course we should. He commands us to do it. But that's a small part of prayer. Prayer is intimacy. It's intimacy with God. Listen, one challenge for us today is if, you, if you're locked into a prayer formula, I, I'm just going <clears> to <throat> suggest you blow it up and just be before God with open hands, right? Speak to me, Lord. You know, spend, spend the first few minutes with your petitions. He says, bring them to me. Bring them. And then just let it be fellowship. Let it be worship. Let it be praise. Let it be that. Let it be that. This pleases God. You think God wants you to come with a formula? You think He wants you to spit out a formula? You think He has any interest in that at all? Do you, do, do you not see that how this is probably an insult to him? Well, I think it is an insult to him. Come, what if one of your kids came to you with a magic formula so they could manipulate you? How would you feel about it? You would be offended. You'd be outraged. Do you think I'm a fool? You know, as a parent, don't you think I understand that you're insulting me and my intelligence? So... Here's what I want to say. I'll go back and read the text. My pages keep blowing up here. First Chronicles, First Chronicles 4. Here we go. First Chronicles 4.10. Let's just look at it real quick. Now Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm that it may not pain me. And God granted him what he requested. 
I want, to, I want to share with you what I read a scholar say, which I think helps inform us in, in understanding the prayer of Jabez. The scholar notes that the context of Jabez's life is Israel establishing dominion and control over the promised land. How many times has your pastor reminded you about context? Context matters. Yeah, we're in the middle of a genealogy here, but context matters. It always matters. It always matters. In context, Jabez is not throwing up a give me prayer. He is asking God to give Israel what God has already promised to give Israel. And yes, he's part of Israel. He's a small part of corporate Israel. And he's just throwing up the prayer that God has already promised to to answer, right? Jabez says, he prays for blessing. God has promised to bless Israel. He prays for enlarged borders. God has promised to give all the land to Israel. He prays for God's presence. God has promised to be with Israel. And he prays for protection. God has promised to fight for Israel and defend her. He's praying what he's been taught to pray. Just from the promises of God. And ultimately what he's praying, and this is the key, he's praying the will of God. He's not trying to bend, you know, God, God's will to His. He's bending to God's will, which is the blessing and protection of Israel and the enlargement of Israel. God's already promised to do this. He's praying the promise of God. This is not an incantation. This is seeking God's will and purpose in his life as a Jew living in Israel. God has already promised to do this. This is what biblical prayer ultimately is. Finding, pursuing, and asking for God's will in every last aspect of life. That's what prayer is. It's not, it's not you bending God's will. It's God bending yours. You're, you're not praying if your will's not being bent. <laughs> you know, well, okay. I don't want to get too far afield. That is the real importance here. This is God's promise. And I know Brad, Brad's already taken you through a lot of texts, and I'm just going to hit one or two of them. You guys know the, the, the verse in the New Testament that kind of governs everything else said about prayer in the Bible. You, you know it, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And it, we know that if He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which, he, which we have asked of Him. His will. His will. Are you praying God's will? And if you're not praying God's will, I just have to ask you, why are you not praying God's will? You want something else? We got another insult here. You want something else? You want something other than God's will? Can I lovingly say, you don't know anything about prayer if you want something other than God's will. You want something other than God's will? Doesn't it sound awful? Of course it sounds awful. It is awful. 
you got to know 1 John 5, 14 and 15. What thinking Christian, what thinking Christian, of course, I'm assuming born again, what born again thinking Christian would want anything other than God's will? You know, some people say to me, Jim, I don't know God's will. Well, okay, go find out what it is. Well, how do I do that? You go sit at his feet. That's, what you, that's how you find out. You know, you study the scripture. You talk to people. You listen to God. That's how you find out His will. It's not magic. It's a tried and true formula. Down through the scriptures and the history of the church. You get before God in prayer. You will find out what His will is. And if you believe God is who He says He is, how would you not want exactly what He has prepared for you? I think it was last week, I think I heard Brad say, quote James 4, 3, You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. What is the wrong motive? You don't really want the will of God. That's the wrong motive. You really don't want that. You want something else. You have your own agenda. Your agenda supersedes that of God's agenda. And let's just be honest here and transparent with, with our own hearts, right? And maybe some of us, some of us need to come clean here and confess that, that we've been praying in a very self-serving way. Maybe some of us need to do that. What is God's will for the believer? <laughs> There's like a hundred places you can go, right? God's will for us is that we be conformed to the image of His Son. Do you think He's worried about your health, wealth, and prosperity to any greater degree than He's worried about you being conformed to the, the image of His Son? You think that's even on the screen compared to being conformed to the image of His Son? What else does He say in the Scripture? God's will for us is the ever-increasing intimacy with Him, John 17. God's will for us is the eternal blessing and infinite good, Ephesians 1.3. God's will for us is the maximum joy and pleasure forever at His right hand. Psalm 1611. Temporal health, wealth, and prosperity. Don't bore me with this. And don't bore God with it. Listen, you should be in hell and so should I. <laughs> you know, everything you have is a blessing from God. And some of us, all we can think about are the three things we wish we had and we don't have. We forget about the million things that God has blessed us with. And I'm talking millions. When I talk millions, there are trillions. You know, I'm talking about how, even how the body works, you know. Fun fact for faith and all that. We just, it's just all taken for granted. Most of the time. The true believer doesn't lust for the things of the world and try to name it and claim it. The true believer lusts for God, His glory, His will, and, His, and the internal inheritance that He has prepared. That's what we lust for. And so we can do a resume check. Are you lusting for anything else? Am I lusting for anything else? Let's turn real quick over to Matthew 6. I know you guys have probably looked at this text. This is where Jesus tells us how to pray. Matthew 6, you can turn over there if you want, verses 7 and 8. Matthew 6, 7 and 8. 
And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetitions. Jesus says, don't come to me with the prayer of Jabez. I'm not interested. That's between the lines. <laughs> okay? I'm in Matthew 6. Verse 7, do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they'll be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Don't pray a formula to me ever. Never. I'm not interested in your techniques. I'm interested in you. And I want a relationship with you. And I want you to open up your heart and your soul and your mind to me. And I want you to lay it bare before me. And we'll talk about that, right? We'll talk about that. <clears throat> Why do we not have to pray give me prayers? What does the text say? Why do we not have to pray give me prayers? Give me this, give me that, give me... Why do we not have to? What does the text say? God knows what you need. And if you don't have it, you don't need it yet. So get over that. Get over it. He knows what you need. You don't have to bore him with the laundry list of things you wish you had. He already knows what you need. He knows what you need. Isn't it a joy to go to a father who already knows it? You don't have to waste time talking about the minutiae. You go right to worship, man. <laughs> Lord, I've got, I've got these three things and I'm going to throw it up to you. And I know you know what to do with this. And then just get on with the worship. Get on with the praise. Okay. I'm going to read Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of Matthew 6, 7, and 9. Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. It's not the Bible. It's a paraphrase of the Bible. It's not the Word of God, but I love what he says here. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They, they're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. Amen? I love you, God. Do your will. My wife had cancer in 2008. I prayed for her healing. God healed her. Praise the Lord. But he might not have healed her. How do I pray then? I bow. And I trust him. What is the root meaning of the word faith anyway? It's trust. I trust him. And if he had taken care of him, he would have been awful. It'd still be awful. But I know he'd be doing something much larger than I could ever envision or imagine. We trust him. We trust Him. Matthew 6, 9 and 10, Jesus says, Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. First, Jesus acknowledges the, 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 the sacred otherness uh, <clears throat> of God. How infinitely above us He is. Listen, I don't go name it and claim it before this God. I lay on my face before this God. This hallowed God, this God that the Scripture tells us there's nobody like Him. There's nobody like Him. It's why we pray to Him, right? Because there's nobody like Him. 
Nobody loves me like he does. Nobody knows me like he does. Nobody meets me every time I need him. Nobody does that. Karen does it pretty much. For me. The question is often asked, why pray if God is sovereign in all things? That's why you pray. Because God is sovereign in all things. There's not one rogue molecule. And He'll do all His good pleasure in your life. He is no wannabe God. He is God indeed. And what does He say? What does Jesus say there? Secondly, His kingdom come, His what? I want you to tell me. Pray that His kingdom will come and what? Is that hard to understand? <laughs> Don't insult me with the prayer of Jabez or any other formula, any other technique. You pray my will, and you can count on it. I'll do every bit of my will, and I'll be magnified in it, and you'll be full of joy as you watch. This is what, this is what, this is what it is for the Christian, right? We delight in the magnification of Christ, right? I can't wait for Him to come back, man, and watch the world get on their face before Him, right? Right? He's going to do all His good pleasure. Your will be done. It's a done deal. Nobody can stop Yahweh. Nobody can hinder Yahweh. His perfect will in my life will happen. It will happen. It cannot not happen. I'm an adopted child. It will happen. Man, that gives you a lot of confidence, right? <laughs> you know, you feel kind of like, yeah, I think I, can obey, I think I can obey the Lord out in the world. I don't have to be afraid of those knuckleheads out there. Jabez is praying God's will. He wants God's purpose. He wants what God has already promised. This is my view. I'm not dogmatic. I'm pretty, I'm kind of dogmatic, but there are others who have differing views. So what about this ask, seek, and knock thing? What about that? You guys know, right? We are commanded to ask and seek and knock but what do we learn about asking, seeking, and knocking from Christ? What do we learn about persevering in, in the asking and the seeking and the knocking? Jesus gives us the perfect balance on prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26, verse 39. This is how he prayed. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me yet. Not as I will, but... As you will, Matthew 26, 42, My Father, this, if this cup cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, Matthew 26, 44, and he prayed a third time saying the same thing once more. Jesus asked, he sought, and he knocked three times. Each time, what? Bowing to the sovereign good pleasure of the Father. Are you praying like this? Or will you get a pout on if God doesn't do what you want? I've witnessed this. I'm a pastor. I've seen it. 
People don't get what they want from God and they get a pout on. They get mad at God. Is there anything more stupid than that? I don't think so. I've seen a lot of stupid things, but that's not too bright. Jesus says, if you ask, it will be given. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, it will be opened. I love how verse 11, how he talks about it here. Again, I'm in Matthew 26. I love in verse 11. Is it verse 11? Matthew 7, I'm sorry. Matthew 7, verse 11. As he closes out this section on ask, seeking, and knocking. And he says, You're, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more do you think your father knows how to give what is good to those who ask? What is the good God gives to those who ask? What is the good that we shall find if we seek him in prayer? What is the good that shall be open to us in prayer? It's his will. It's not your will. It's his will. Prayer is fighting through to God's will. That's what it is to me. Fight through to God's will. I don't want my will. My will is flawed. It's, self, it's full of self-interest and pride and arrogance and vanity and who knows what else. I want His will. I want His will. Who else prayed like this in the Bible? Who, who else? Think about it. Who else prayed like this? Anybody remember the Apostle Paul? <laughs> Over in uh, 2 Corinthians 12. Interestingly, he petitioned God three times, just like Jesus did, about the thorn in the flesh. Verse 8. Again, 2 Corinthians 12. You can turn there if you would like. So, what did Paul do after he petitioned God three times? The same thing Jesus did after he petitioned three times. What did they do? They apparently listened to God. Right? They apparently listened to God. Do you listen to God in prayer? This is a big deal to me. I spend most of my time listening. I already know He's going to do His will. Praise God, and I'm jacked up about that. I'm listening. I'm not hearing audible words. No, I'm not a mystic. But I've studied my Bible. And I know His voice when I hear it. I know what the Spirit is saying, right? In my soul. I like what Piper said one time. He said, he said this, was, this helped me too. It may not help you. You may not understand it. I mean, it may offend some of you. I don't know. Um, but Piper said he and his wife were praying. and They were really persevering in prayer about a thing. And one day it dawned on him, he had crossed over from persevering to nagging. You ever hear anybody say that? He had crossed over from merely persevering to nagging God for what I want. I just thought that was a beautifully transparent confession of his. Probably some of us have been guilty in that 
regard. Beloved, the most important part of prayer to me is listening. It's, 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 it's the conversation. It's just pray without ceasing. What does it mean? What does it mean to pray without ceasing? Am I in my, am I in my prayer closet 24-7? No, that's not what it means. But it means as I go through my day, you know, praise God. Help me, God. Praise God. Help me, God. Praise God. Help me, God. All day long. That's what it is. That's what it is. Paul and Jesus are teaching us what mature Christian prayer looks like. It's radically God-centered. Not my will, but yours. How did the Apostle Paul respond when he got the no? He got the no. He got the no. Again, some people get the pout on. If they get the no, they get the pout on. But what did Paul do? What did he do? He says, great, therefore I'm well contented in the no. Because I know that's God's will. And I know it's best for me. He had completely, you know, jettisoned his petition in favor of the greatness of God in his life. Which is ultimately what prayer is about. God working his greatness into your heart, your soul, and your mind so you can go out there and live it. And you can speak it. You can obey it. you got to love Paul here. I love it, man. God says no, and Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, I receive the no. I know it's best for me. I love this. God will protect you from the yes. God will protect you from giving you what you asked. Because you don't know how to pray, Romans 8. You don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray, right? And he'll protect me from what I've prayed for. He won't give me the yes, he'll give me the no. Why? Because he loves me. He gives me the no. You need to be conformed just like I to the, to the image of the sun, right? The image of the sun. Isn't that what you want above everything else other than, you know, more than, more than uh, a perfect family and a perfect job and a perfect retirement and a, a, a perfect uh, whatever portfolio? Isn't that what you really want? If you're a believer, I'm sure that's what you want. He says, man, I'm happy with the no, because in the no is the good. What's the good? The will of God. Back to Matthew 7. If no is God's will, beloved, we definitely want the no. And let me just say this. I know you know this. You guys are well taught. You know, until you get past the reflection in the mirror, you can't pray at all. Until you can come and just look at God and be hopelessly in love with Him and pray. I've ministered to about a thousand people over the last 18 years, and this is a common situation. They're stuck on that reflection in the mirror. What I always want to try to approach, and I challenge you to do the same, you get to where you love and trust God so much, it doesn't really matter how He answers. Ultimately. Because I know 
He's a sovereign, a magnificently sovereign and terrifying and awesome God. He'll do all his good pleasure. He'll do his will in my life. No one can stop that. And I just receive it with joy that my father is like that. Wilkinson turns this prayer of Jabez into a prayer formula for temporal blessing and success from God. Wilkinson tries to deny that this is what he's doing, but if you go read the book, this is what you come away with. This is exactly what you will come away with. Biblical prayer, the true spirit of it is bowing before the perfect will of a great God. So let's just bounce through it real quick. One more time. 1 Chronicles 4.10. 1 Chronicles 4.10. Jabez prays, bless me indeed. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what you mean when you pray, bless me, God. I know what I mean. I mean, I want maximum spiritual blessing. That's what I want. I'm a vapor. In a few moments, I'll be with him. I don't care about the other stuff. I'm thankful for the other stuff, but in contrast, I don't care about it. Spiritual blessing, we are blessed, aren't we not? Because we are loved and saved and held by Christ. <laughs> Do your worst, right? You can say it to the world. Do your worst. My God's God. My God bled out for me. Do your worst. <laughs> you can't frustrate his will. You can't frustrate my father's will. You can't do it. You cannot do it. Jabez says, enlarge my borders. I, I have two thoughts here. One is, you know, there's that great psalm, Psalm 119.32. He talks about the enlarged hearts of the believer, right? We, we, are, we are preoccupied with the depth and breadth of our souls. Not how much property I have or how many stocks I own. The depth of, and breadth of my soul before God. The other thought I had here is when we talk about borders, yeah, enlarge my eternal border. I'm, you know, looking at the Bema seat and what my stewardship looks like before God and, and what my, my station in the new heaven and new earth will be. That's the border I'm interested in. This is a moment that's forever. It's like people cannot break through on that. I don't understand it. Most people cannot break through that this does not matter as far as how much time I'm here as compared to I am there forever. I'm there forever. It never stops. It's forever. And I want my spot in the kingdom to be meaningful because I proved to be a good steward here. Health, wealth, and prosperity don't bore me with that. I don't care. I just don't care. Jabez prays that God might be with him. <laughs> now, how does God answer this for the New Testament Christian? How's this answered for the New Testament Christian? Is God with you? Where's God? He's in here. <laughs> this, is the, this is the prayer request no human being would, in their right mind would ever pray for. God, I want to be indwelt by the third member of the Trinity. How does that sound? Nobody would have ever prayed that prayer. He just does it. 
right? He just does it. He's with us. He is with us. Jabez prays that God might keep him from harm. The true Christian knows the most precious aspect of this is that God keeps us from spiritual and eternal harm. I'll say it again. You should go to hell. You should suffer eternal conscious punishment because you have sinned against your Creator willfully and wantonly, just like me. That's the harm He's protecting us from. That's the heartbeat of a true New Testament Christian. We know what He's talking about. You know, there's that great text. I was reading through Luke um, some months ago, and it's still ringing in my ears, Luke 21. Jesus told His guys, He said, Some of you are going to be put to death, but not a hair on your head will perish. <laughs> what? Don't you love it? What? What does that mean? You'll be put to death, but you'll, not a hair on your head will perish because you're mine. And I'm holding you and I'm bringing you to myself. Doesn't matter what they do. Doesn't matter if they kill the body. You're mine. And nothing can change that. In the context, again, my take is, above all else, Jabez is praying for God's will and purpose to be done in the promised land. He's a Jew living in Israel. <clears throat> He's praying what God has promised to Israel. To me, it's pretty simple. Above all else, Paul prayed for God's perfect purpose, purpose and will in his life. Above all else, Jesus prayed the same thing. How could a true believer desire anything other than God's purpose and will? And I'm just going to say this. How can we be assured that God will get His will done in my life and in your life? How can we be assured? I know you already know this, but I love to say this stuff, okay? Because none can stay or restrain the hand of Yahweh, Daniel 4.35. He does whatever He pleases in heaven and earth, Psalm 135.6. He declares the end from the beginning, Isaiah 46.10. He unfailingly accomplishes all His good pleasure, Isaiah 46.10. He'll do, He'll do His will in your life. My encouragement to you is enjoy it. Even if it's negative and discouraging at times, and it will be. <laughs> you know, when does intimacy go up? When does intimacy really go up? When it gets really hard. Intimacy, intimacy invariably goes up. It goes up. It goes up. Again, some say, why would you pray to a sovereign God who has ordained all things? I say, why would you pray to a God who didn't ordain all why would you pray to an impotent, wannabe God who could not accomplish what He set out to accomplish? So in prayer, the believer is confessing our ignorance and our impotence. And in prayer, we are resting in the omniscience and omnipotence of God. We are like little children sitting in our Father's lap. We are talking and we are listening. We are safe and secure in our infinitely good 
Father's lap. We ask, we seek, we knock, we listen in the Spirit. And it doesn't really matter what He says. If He gives me the yes, praise God. If He gives me the no, praise God. He's protecting me from the yes. I'm asking wrongly. I don't know how to pray. I believe that in Romans 8. I don't know how to pray. But I know how to worship. And it's a function of prayer, man. It's a function of prayer. His no is always as good as his yes. Philippians 4, 6-7. I'm sure you guys have already covered this. Here's the true spirit of prayer. Be anxious for nothing, but what? In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God. Some of you don't have peace. Why not? You're praying wrong. You're doing it wrong. You're not looking at God. God says, be at peace which surpasses all comprehension, and it will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Why is all of that true? Because the believer is seeking the will of God, and it cannot be thwarted. It cannot be thwarted. Above all else, the prayer of Jabez is a prayer for God's will. Above all else, the prayer of Paul was a prayer for God's will. Above all else, the prayer of Jesus was a prayer for God's will. Jesus says, pray the will of God, and then Jesus prays the will of God. That's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. I'm sure there's some nuances I could... I could, I, I could learn there, but really, that's, he says, pray my will, and then he prays his will on the pages of Scripture for us to watch and see, and how he handles it, right? I just ask, Jesus says, pray my will, and then he prays God's will. I just ask, what, what, what more do you need? <laughs> what more do you need? What more do you need? No more techniques, no more formulas, right? Just loving God. Throwing up your request, trusting Him with them, and rejoicing all day long that your God is Yahweh, and He cannot be frustrated. You can rest assured His will will be done in your life. I love that, man. I love that confidence. I love that. Let's pray together. <clears throat>